0: Hello, and welcome to our new podcast series, the RICS World Built Environment Forum Insights. I'm Tim Smith, the Global Director of the World Built Environment Forum, and over the next weeks and months, we'll be speaking to experts across urbanisation, digital transformation, the natural environment, and markets in geopolitics to take a closer look and make sense of these megatrends which will shape the world for decades to come whilst also looking at how the built environment is leading and can continue to lead the way in building a more sustainable and equitable future for all. In this episode, our Director of Thought Leadership, Ken Crayson, spoke to RICS President-elect Cath Fontana, who's Managing Director for Public Sector, Critical Infrastructure and Capital Projects at Mighty. Cath shares her career journey to date, her experience in managing her team through the pandemic and offers her thoughts on the future of the workplace and wider social and environmental issues.
1: Hello, I'm Ken Creighton, Director of Thought Leadership at RICS. And today I'm here with Kath Fontana, who is the incoming president of RICS and also the Managing Director of Public Sector, Critical Infrastructure and Capital Projects at MIT. Welcome.
2: Hi, Ken. Thanks for having me today.
1: No, thank you for thank you for being on. So first of all, um, how are you in these interesting times?
2: Well, uh, I'm very well indeed, thank you, Ken. Um, been working from home for about 70 days now. So um, like everybody else, um, face the challenges of working from home and some of the benefits and perhaps some of the uh, opportunities that we're missing out uh, of collaboration. But yes, um, thankfully, myself and my family are all very well indeed. Um, my family members have, um, and our families experienced all the things I think that most families have around shielded family members, um, covered a close family members who's had the virus, Wow. people on furlough, we've had people taking pay cuts, we've had people out of work. So I think, you know, what my observation is that every single person is affected one way or the other, and yeah. uh, my family's no different to that. So yeah, it's certainly been, you know, challenging. But thankfully, most importantly we're all okay and uh, health wise everybody is well so that's the most important thing I think.
1: Yeah Mm. that is good to hear and you're right it it really does affect everyone and it's interesting times and you know it's good to hear um, that and um, your team people are functioning and you're working through this technology and
2: yeah, yeah. Um, so our team, I think, has responded incredibly well. Um, and I should say that, you know, the majority of the people that work in our business are actually still um, working on customer sites, uh, working on critical infrastructure, as the name suggests. So keeping the UK running, um, keeping the UK's networks connected. Um, you know, we work in places like Sellerfield, data centres, hospitals. So. Uh, our business really is extremely um, frontline um, and our people have done an amazing job. So I think our frontline colleagues are uh, to be hugely commended. Um, the back office people like me. Yes, we have adapted really quickly uh, to working from home for, for the most part. A few people in offices. Um, but I think, you know, like everybody else, we know there's something missing. Yeah. Um, it's quite hard to put a, a tangible, um, you know, wrapper around what that is, but there's something missing. But on yeah. the whole, yeah, we're functioning. Our business is functioning really well, actually. So, so,
1: right. yeah. Yeah. Well, Kath, let's talk a little bit about your career journey. You're you're about to be the president of RICS. You're a managing yeah. director at MIT. Um, wh- where did you come from? Give us a potted history of your journey.
2: Okay, um, so um, so I uh, studied uh, what the RSS professionals will call a non cognate degree, uh, so I actually have a degree in politics um, and um, I did that in the 80s uh, in, in uh, what was then a, quite a febrile political environment, as, as it is today actually. I was thinking the other day how interesting it would be to be a student of politics now Um, so much interesting uh, and troubling things happening, but interesting nevertheless. So, yeah, so I did a degree in politics and I I kind of drifted into the built environment, really. Um, I went to work for a a local government organisation, local to where I lived, actually, and sort of just drifted into estates management. Um, And I I built a bit of a fascination with buildings. I, I really, really got into buildings. Uh, really and their use and how they were constructed I just found it fascinating and also all the sort of commercial side of of what we do was particularly interesting to me and I I kind of pursued that path really. I think the thing that really got me going if you like um, was probably the Egan report in 1998 rethinking construction um, and really trying to build that bridge between construction and operations and I feel that that is the red thread throughout my whole career really is trying to make sure that um, what we build is great for people, not just for, you know, investors or for the industry itself. So I've got a real passion for making sure that the built environment supports what I would now call the advancement of human, you know, humanity, really. And I wasn't so grand about it many years ago. but I've always had that passion for making sure that, the built environment really supports people and and drives forward a positive experience for people. Um, so, I've kind of, I've worked a lot in different sectors. So, you know, defence, science, technology. Now, I work in uh, infrastructure. I've always gravitated towards those sectors that have a real kind of a positive social impact, if you like. So I have worked in sectors that have been uh, oriented much more towards kind of financial capital, um, but I've found myself more at home trying to create social capital really uh, from the built environment. And that's really um, kind of how I got involved with RICS because um, I suppose it was about 10 or 11 years ago um, I joined the Facilities Management Board and... um, it's quite a dynamic uh, professional group, I think, and we've done some really great things as a team. Um, and as part of that, I worked on the IFMA collaboration. Um, so I was the chair at, uh, after a little while, and, and I worked with um, the RSCS exec board to, to drive the IFMA collaboration, because, again, I felt that, that that sort of collaboration globally is really important for us. Um, then from there, I kind of went on to management board, and... Um, because I think most people would describe me as someone who likes to get things done, and management board is a natural, natural progression for me. Um, and then I kind of, you know, I, I have to confess this. I think I've said it before. Um, as soon as I became involved with the RCS, I thought one day I'd like to be president. Uh,
0: it's
2: just in my, it's been in my mind ever since I got involved ten or eleven years ago, maybe twelve years ago now. And so, it was something I always had on my mind. Um, uh, and, and, you know, be, becoming a fellow, uh, becoming more involved in management board, really seeing how the RICS works and the huge contribution it makes to society uh, really, really kind of, really drove me to want to play a leadership role in um, RICS. Right. So, yeah, so that, that's why I'm here, I think. And and I think that my my term, if you like, is really coinciding with that drive towards creating social capital, social impact. Right. Um, certainly, right. I think it's become much more important over the last few years. So I'm really still excited about that. Yeah. I, I yeah. hope that I'm not remembered as the pandemic president. Um, <laughs> but, uh, see what happens. I may well be that person. Well, um,
1: the, the alliteration is against you there, but I, yeah. I, I don't think that'll... But it, it's really beautiful to hear your entry and your initial passion about what the built environment can do for people. And then your journey through leadership and, you know, as you say, IFMA and, you know, the board and all these really monumental things. And then coming into the presidency, how you can really, it just, it's almost full circle the way you describe it. It's really beautiful how you can take that passion into the leadership role and make it live. Um, So, you know, talking about the pandemic and, and this leadership role in this profession, what, you know, so here we are right okay so yeah, sure, yeah. what are the key issues that are in the minds of professionals and their their clients today
2: so so i think there's some really kind of um you know my clients um in the conversations we're having with them they call it short cycle thinking and i really like that concept i think that we are all right now in the midst of this in a, a, a grip of short cycle thinking Um, So we're planning with our clients for kind of days and weeks, not months and years, as we might be planning. Um, And and our immediate concerns, uh, collective immediate concerns, are about, you know, how do we get our customers' businesses back up and running effectively, Um, which is a massive challenge. Um, You know, I think globally that is a huge challenge. How do we balance off the, the kind of economic imperative and the business imperative with health and safety, um, and also um, confidence. So, you know, we've put in place some really, really good um, proactive measures to to make workplaces what they call in the UK COVID secure. Um, but you know, adapt them so that they are compliant with with all the kind of things we want to see: social distancing, um, thermal imaging, um, you know, uh, managing desk space in a way that, you know, you're minimising contact, we put all those things in place and yet our clients still tell us that the capacity they've created is not being taken up. So people are voting with their feet, Uh, people are not flocking back to the workplace as people might have imagined. So that's a huge challenge now. So, um, and I think a lot of that is to do with transport, particularly in the big urban conurbations. but also just a sense of nervousness and concern about actually is is this the right thing to do um i i feel you know my my feeling is that businesses took a lead at the beginning of this um crisis uh before government lockdown businesses were already making those moves um but coming back seems to be uh unpredictable and harder to manage one of my customers said to me that um, the lockdown was a piece of cake. Um, the, the reoccupation is really complicated. So I think in people's minds at the moment, it's it's not only how to create the physical environment that is appropriate, but also the psychological environment
1: right. that
2: people feel right. safe in the workplace and feel that it's the right thing to do. That's um, really interesting. Yeah. And,
1: and and that's that's it is, and that's the main challenge, right? So so you were describing making things COVID safe, but then whether it's customers in a store or um, employees in an office building, somehow <laughs> translating that into confidence. That yeah. that yeah, and yeah. and I, I guess it's also interesting just thinking this through. Like you and I are having this conversation through Teams, Microsoft Teams, and we're recording it, and um, it works. And so I guess you know th- there's this other. I guess an interesting thing about the psychology is that you almost have to overcome the new options people have. I imagine, you know, they just,
2: yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think also I've said in, in several sessions over the last few weeks, we have to remember that, um, you know, the workplace is not just about big offices in, uh, urban metro conurbations. A lot of people's work, traditional workplaces are small local offices or they might be working in a hospital or in manufacturing or in retail. So, you know, when people talk about workplace, they imagine a big, shiny office built with glass and steel in London or in New York or whatever. But actually, the majority of people don't work in places like that. Mm. Um, The majority of people work in much more modest offices or indeed not in an office at all. Um, So um, I think we need to remember that for a lot of people, working from home is not viable at all um and actually so those people have got to be enabled and and given the confidence to go back to their 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 place of work for the people where working from home is a viable option um i think we've seen lots swings of opinion about whether it's a good thing a bad thing um whether it's viable whether it's not viable not sure businesses have really made their minds up about that yet Mm. um i know you know some of the big tech companies um have said we're going to work from home forever um i'm not sure that's most people's preference i feel what i read and what see and what my customers are telling me is some sort of hybrid model um is probably going to be the way forward but the interesting thing is um that consistently what i'm hearing is to go to the office we want to go to a place with purpose not just yeah. to sit and you know chunk through transactional data management or, or whatever, yeah. you know, the sort of transactional parts of our job. So if people do go back and I think it's linked to that confidence piece, they want to know there's a real purpose to the workplace, the physical yeah. workplace.
0: If I, you like. I,
1: I relate to that. in in just having just an experience, even if it's small. I mean, I I um I actually worked from home myself a number of years ago really before there was email, but really, that was it. This is this is in the kind of the turn of the millennium. And um, I really struggled with it. I mean, I really, really struggled with it, just kind of feeling like I was in solitary confinement almost. And in some ways, I don't feel like that now. But I, you know, I, and just relating to what you've said, having that purpose going to the office and the experience of how you can interact with other people to feel good and feel motivated and um have ideas and, and do purposeful work yeah
2: yeah i think that um i think what is missing for most people that's what we hear is that um creativity creativity um collaboration co-creation especially is quite difficult um on on with the technology that yeah. we've got um and i think that's what probably when i say purpose that's what I mean, really, of, of going somewhere, knowing that you're, you, you've are you got a purpose, there's an outcome, you're being asked to bring something creative or, or collaborative to that. I think that is when I said earlier, you know, uh, it's OK, but we all feel like something's missing. I think it's that. And I also think it's the um, for younger people, especially or people at the start of their careers or people who are training, it's you learn so much on the job sitting next to more experienced people or being in a group of more experienced people. I do have concerns that the younger people in our profession especially are missing out on that that workplace experience where you're kind of almost through osmosis, you're learning right. the culture and, and how to be and you know how to get Absolutely, things done yes. in your organisation. That is um, challenging. And the other thing I think I should say is um, I do not... On one hand, I think this way of working is good for... Um, diversity and inclusion because often on big teams calls it's slightly more respectful in terms of the way people interact Um, and people do get more kind of opportunity to input but on the other hand um, it does concern me that you know that networking and um, building relationships probably has more of an impact on uh, colleagues who um, are, are perhaps disadvantaged yeah so i don't know I, th- I think there's a lot of pros and cons um the so positive things you know it's better for the environment if we're not all commuting that's for sure um are we more productive or more efficient i don't know um well you know it's interesting even, so. yeah and
1: you know th- they do say that if we're all working from home in the winter and we're heating all these homes instead of you know, one or two office buildings. You know, it, it it it's actually worse for the environment. I've some, but you know, it, it's it's amazing what you're saying about the the point of in a career. You know, we're social human animals, and it's such a powerful point you made about how do you learn and find role models and emulate them if you're just once in a while see their face on a screen, right? Like yeah. How do you advance your career? How do you how do you kind of really learn from your mistakes through role modeling, as opposed to just somebody telling you something? You know, that's a it's really profound. But, but you know, you you, you mention um, kind of younger people and their careers and everything. If we think ahead and we think about the you know future for professionals professionals working in the built environment, um, what do you envision?
2: Um. So. So I think that. I think we will stabilise into um, some new version of business as usual. Um, So I'm expecting that to happen. And it is happening, actually, in our business. We can see we're dialing down some of the kind of crisis comms. And, you know, we're starting to see a bit of BAU come back. And and whether that will be, you know, two metres and everybody's thermal imaging and we only go into the office on set, you know, we'll find a way through that, actually, because human beings are – immensely adaptable so we'll find a way through that so there'll be a new normal and then i think we'll be we'll be back into the maybe the medium cycle challenges that we've got that we always had about um climate change you know yeah nobody's really talking about that at the moment um but it's a it's a massive challenge for us still huge challenge so we're going to have to i think professionals will need to refocus themselves on that I think we will have to, perhaps with a renewed energy, refocus ourselves on digitisation and technology in the built environment Um, because, you know, we're going to have to find new ways of doing things um, like this, you know, I think there'll be more and more of this. Um, The the benefits we've found from using technology I think will will not go back in the box and hopefully that will drive forward. And I think professionals will need to continue to work on trust and standards and professionalism in order to create that future confidence um, in the built environment. All the challenges we had before Covid are still there and they still need to be tackled. So I think that probably we'll have more emphasis on healthy buildings, more emphasis on technology. um, But the primary challenges of climate change, productivity, um, trust and social purpose, I think all those things are still there. And so I think that professionals will still need to be able to to kind of um, grab hold of those things and drive them forward, which, you know, is something I'd like to promote. I think those strategic things, um, I hope they aren't lost in, the, in this kind of crazy moment we're in. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it really sums it up well. It really connects to the, to the future where it, um, those basic points will still be there, and so, you know the need for professionals and the focus of professionals is just yeah. just really fundamentally there. Yeah. Well, I think great. I think that's a a great point to 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 wrap up on. Um, are there any other final um, thoughts you'd like to share?
2: Yeah, I mean, look. Um, our customers, the the one quote that uh, really struck me in the last um, few weeks, um, one of my customers said we have done things in our business that we never thought possible Um, and in a a really positive way actually, so um, you know faced with the impossible um, we have overcome and we have done things we never thought would be possible I would really like us all to try and harness that energy that we've created into some of those more strategic challenges around technology and productivity and of the industry, the built environment industry, but also social impact and climate change and really take that approach because uh, another quote I heard was that we have uncomplicated things um so it gives me a lot of um i have a lot of optimism about the future that if we can keep that energy of uncomplication and you know doing things we never thought possible then you know maybe all those things i thought about in 1998 about how we would be in a much more collaborative purpose-led industry um i think those things are achievable but they do need that spirit of uh, that spirit of enterprise and that spirit of possibility i think yeah. That, yeah. that we have created as part of this response
1: yeah well
2: said yeah so it'd be great to see that taken forward and uh, and certainly that's something i'll be building into my thinking over the next um the next year to come for me yeah
1: yeah, yeah. well that's a really great um pl- place to wrap up so kath i can't thank you enough for your time and, and sharing your thoughts
2: my pleasure thank you so much